came in this morning and right away I wore this bright tie. See, Tom and Diane Nelson gave me this tie, and uh, I don't know. It is the brightest tie that I have ever worn, outside of a bright red one that I, that, that I wore one time. But I think uh, somebody told me, said, well, the reason why they did this is because if your message seems to lull people to sleep, your tie will keep them awake. <laughs> I had this bright red one. It was as bright as Sister Juanita hit a sweater. She's walking out of the back back there. And I wore that, and someone told me, said, that's just not uh, modest. Now, that's back several years ago. Well, I made mention of it behind the pulpit, and Sister Luke, uh, she came up to me, and she says, they don't pay any attention to them. She said, those red ties are nice. She said, that looks so nice. But then she put this little denim on it. I always get afraid. She said, however... She said, you got to keep in mind, Brother Grant, that this was designed to be worn by a man with a long, long, long beard. <laughs> well, a lot of exciting things have been happening here at Calvary Gospel Church this morning. Uh, Pete and Jennifer were baptized in ice-cold water. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. John Replica called me and asked, said, is the water going to be cold? Well, I said, if it isn't warm, it'll be cold. <laughs> the heater went out on it last week. And uh, it was cold. But there's just something about it. When you go down in Jesus' name, Praise God. You come in the house of the Lord, you're just smiling and happy and good to see all these happy faces, I'll tell you. And I'm all loaded this morning. I've got, you can't see what's in this. Last Thursday night, they brought uh, a glass of, of fruit punch up here, and I wanted to drink it. But we had a missionary, and I knew that it wouldn't be impolite. But he only took one little sip out of it. I wanted to tell Brother Brother Shirley, drink it all. <clears throat> but he took one little sip. Now, Brother Martin had this. I thought that Brother Martin had this for himself. I went through the kitchen, <clears throat> and he was he had a cup of coffee, and he had this. There's two ice cubes in here. And I knew it wasn't coffee. It's got foam all over the top. And I said, what is that? And he says, well, it's, it's iced tea, and it has a taste of it, but I'm not sure what it has in it. Tastes like peach or something. Where's Brother Martin anyway? What's in this? Peach, all right. See, last Sunday morning, I, I said I was drinking apple juice, and I found out later it was uh, white grape juice. So, <laughs> listen, <clears throat> I have a very hearty appetite, and I don't pay much attention to what I eat or what I drink. <clears throat> There's a kind of a joke behind that. I was eating some some pudding a district board meeting and and so the the ladies asked me said was that good and I said yes and and they had ordered some when they got this said oh that's not what we ordered and uh, 
Then they said, but this is what you were eating, Brother Grant. And I said, no, that's not what I was eating. I was eating something else. Anyway, the waitress came over and she said, no, that's exactly what you ate. I didn't pay any attention to it. My message this morning is just a down-to-earth message. I've been throwing out some of these Sunday morning messages on just some of the basics. And, you know, it, it's good when you go back sometimes to the basic spiritual foods. You know, since we moved out on the farm, Sister Grant has started cooking some southern dishes again. You know, when I lived in, in Texas, when we lived in Texas, you know, collard greens and butter beans and, you know, I sung a song about this. I was I was teasing last Sunday night after service, Sister Armenti. Sister Armenti and Sister Yolanda said, Brother Grant has to have some black blood in it. I said, now, you, you've got to have some black blood in you, you know. Sister Grant went yesterday to the grocery store, and she got smoked ham hocks and collard greens and mustard greens and butter beans. <coughs> Does that sound good? <laughs> now, to me, it was a no. <coughs> but I will assure you that I will eat anything that's put before me, you know. Just we had one sister in our church that brought some chitlins one time. Sister Pearly Phillips. You, how many of you remember Pearly Phillips? She brought chitlins to me before service. She said, "This will help you preach better, brother." Really, right? <clears throat> so, she said, "Now you have to eat them when they're hot because when they get cold, they taste funny." <clears throat> well, mine must have been cold because it tasted funny. <laughs> I really don't like chitlins so much. My grandfather used to cook chitlins all the time. Boy, how many of you like chitlins? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you like chitlins? Nobody here likes chitlins. Okay. Ernest likes chitlins, all right? My grandfather used to cook chitlins, and I'll tell you, I've eaten my share of them, <clears throat> but uh, they kind of smell up the kitchen. You, know. you walk in where fish has been. I mean, you like catfish. Oh, look at the hands. I bought two big catfish yesterday. Charlie and I have just been living in heaven almost the last month. Sister Grant's been cooking catfish for us. And I'm telling you, uh, black-eyed peas. <laughs> Can you believe that? Then when I get up here, I've got a uh, surprise each week. And then Sister Yolanda brought in candy. and I had to get a bunch of them. Snicker bars. <clears throat> Every time I see them, I start laughing. It's not because they're suggestive, because it's a Snickers, but because I like them. When she told me, she said, oh, I work for M&M, uh, M&M. &M. And I said, M&M. Well, I knew what M&Ms were. She said, but I, we, we sell a lot of Snicker bars. I said, oh, that's my favorite. She said, she looked at me as if to say, you're just saying that. I said, oh, no. I said, I have a Snicker bar in, in my coat right now. She said, you've got to be kidding. And I had to go get my coat and show her the big Snicker bar. <clears throat> it was for Sister Grant. <laughs> now, Sister Grant can eat all this kind of stuff and stay slim. She's got candy all over the place. She'll eat this. And I said, can I have a bite? She said, it's fattening. 
So I got three of these, one for Charlie, one for Sister Grant, and one for our cat. Those are, those are great. Sister Yolanda brought in a big box of these for us. Our Sunday school kids, and I really appreciate that. Praise God. Was it last Sunday night, Stephanie, you received the Holy Ghost? Last Sunday night. Stand up, would you? Stephanie received the Holy Ghost last Sunday night. Fantastic. Oh, hallelujah. Acts 4, verse 12. I'm going to speak on the subject, salvation and none other. Could put none other name under there. You must know we believe that. We have a sign up here. There is none other name. Acts 4 and 12. This will be a Bible study. But if we have guests who are here with us, we want you to know that we love the name of Jesus. Love the name of Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is a powerful, powerful revelation. And the Apostle Peter was addressing the Sanhedrin. This was the ruling religious body of the days in which this man lived. And wouldn't it be great if all religious leaders would be confronted with this powerful scripture? What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do about this? <clears throat> you know, the amazing thing, uh, <clears throat> this came about as a result of a man being healed. In chapter 3, there was a man that was healed. And then the first persecution set into this new church that had its beginning in Acts, the second chapter. And they knew that this man was healed. They knew that this man could not walk. They knew that this man was now leaping and running. He was just totally healed, miraculously healed, set free. And then they called these men together. The amazing thing was that they, they did not oppose the, the healing. They did not oppose the miracle. They didn't oppose that at all. What they did oppose was the fact that they healed in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know how in the world they expected somebody to get healed. But nevertheless, they opposed it. Of course... Many of these people were strong religious believers in the Old Testament. So it's all right if Jehovah of old heals, but now you are talking about Jesus of the New Testament. Now we talked to you on Sunday morning not long ago. We addressed the subject of Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New, and how the names are connected. That one is actually a, a translation of the other. You know. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not being critical, but we, we, we sing these songs about Jehovah Jireh, my provider. 
Now, so I, I don't want to be critical. I'm not critical when we sing it, but sometimes I wonder why are we singing this because the revelation is out. The name now is Jesus. See, see, Jehovah is actually an English translation of a Hebrew word, Yahweh. And the truth of the matter is, the compound names were applied, or a descriptive name was applied to Jehovah to further describe who he was. So, when the Hebrew... Uh, I say when the Hebrew, when the compound name was applied to the Hebrew uh, name, then they could pretty much understand what he did. But Jesus is a descriptive or description of the God of the Old Testament, that in him dwelleth all, that he is our provider, he is our savior, he is our healer, that was the issue here, and that is that that the man was healed, but then when Peter stood up, he talked about salvation. Salvation is a word that is all-inclusive, and, and it means to preserve or to keep. So it has to do with not only the healing of the body, but the saving of the soul. All of it. So everywhere... These apostles went. They preached Jesus. I remember having some uh, a confrontation one time with some Jehovah's Witness people. We may have someone visiting with us who have are being taught by the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're very, very aggressive, and of course they talked about Jehovah. Uh, and they asked me, "Do you preach Jehovah?" I said, "We preach Jesus." Then. Uh, they said, well, we are to be witnesses unto Jehovah. Of course, they go back <clears throat> to the Old Testament and extract several scriptures there. And uh, I said, well, why would you want to preach Jehovah? Why don't you preach Jesus? And uh, I said, the apostles. Do you believe in the apostles? Yes. Do you believe the apostles were saved? Yes. Do you believe the apostles were doing what was right? Yes. I said, would you believe that every place they went, they preached Jesus? They made mention of Jesus. Acts 13, verse 38 and 39. We find that Peter is is saying that there is just no, or Paul is saying, pardon me, that there is salvation in none other. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So in the, in the Old Testament, before that the name of Jesus was revealed, and before that Jesus came and shed his blood, they slew animals. And the animals covered. 
This is where the word atonement comes from. There's a Hebrew, I say Hebrew, yeah, Hebrew word, kephar, that means to cover. They covered the sins. But since Jesus Christ, our sins are not atoned, they are actually taken away. Totally taken away. They're not covered. And so uh, we are justified or we're made just as if we had never sinned. Now, salvation was, has always been an issue. And the truth of the matter is, salvation was, was an issue among non-religious people. When I say non-religious people, maybe I should qualify that by saying those who were outside of the ranks of Jehovah worship. The Grecians, for an example. The Grecians felt that through some high level of intelligence that salvation would come. And they taught that, and, and so uh, the people, even though the Romans ruled in this day, the people who were non-Jehovah worshipers were highly influenced with the idea that uh, they should be saved. And part of the issue uh, that the apostles dealt with was that you actually cannot be saved any other way, though, than by Jesus Christ. See? So everywhere they went, they preached Jesus. Everywhere they went, they preached Jesus. Now, <clears throat> what I want to do is turn back to John 14, 6. And here is a very, very well-quoted, well uh, <clears throat> A scripture you're well acquainted with. John 14, 6. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, he starts out, John 14, by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that something? I go to prepare a place for you. And Jesus is talking about heaven. Now, sometimes we get so attached to, to this earth that we, we don't think too much about heaven. You know, we just, we want everything just so nice and, you know, you, we're going to build, let's say we build a new, our new building. We're going to be proposing in the very near future in a, Special call business meeting, a new plan. Let's say we get this, we build it. Everything gets nice and we fill it up with people and we got a parking lot, new parking lot, and we get everything all landscaped nicely. And let's say that the Lord blesses us and gives us a new new school building. And I think it'd just be great to have a Christian school. We were over at Shank School Friday night, a gym there, and the kids were playing. I thought, boy, it'd be nice to have our own gym and you know, you, you think about all all of the, the nice things. Let's suppose that, you know, we do all this and all of a sudden, you know, God comes down and just takes me out of this world and and I'm no longer able to uh, fellowship with you fine people here on the earth. And, and uh, then we have somebody up here pastoring and 
all this building and all the layout and everything, people would say, oh, it's too bad, you know, that Pastor Grant is not here. And I'm looking down from heaven saying, it's too bad that these people are still stuck down there with that little old building. <clears throat> On that little 16 and a half acres of land out there, it's too bad, you know. <laughs> so while people are feeling sorry for me, I'm feeling sorry for them. No. It's, it's a real privilege to be able to go and be in the presence of the Lord. And God has, God has something prepared for us in eternity that would, you know, just blow your minds if somehow you, you were able to see it. No. It's, it's so descriptive. And it seems to me like, you know, going all the way back to when I was a child, you know, some of the mother goose rhymes and all this and, and some of the fairy tales and I think some of the things that, that Walt Disney has come up with, you know, all this splendor and everything, it's castles and all this, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost like we're, we're trying to imitate what the Scripture tells us is prepared for God's children. Gates of pearl, walls of jasper, streets of gold. You know, we have a mud room on the back of our house. And there's this sink there, big deep sink. When I come in, every now and then, you know, Sister Grand say, "Oh, <clears throat> pull off your boots. You know, go back outside. Let me get the dust off of you." I like to. I really enjoy. I really enjoy putting up hay, and, and you wouldn't think that. I really enjoy this. So I get out there on my tractor, you know, and mow. All this coming. No, don't, 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 don't. Now I know in heaven that it's going to be totally different, and I don't know that I will be in the same house with Leona Darlene. I don't know that. But I could just see myself coming. She'd say, you got to go around the back door to come in here. I'd come in the back door. She'd say, oh, don't come in here. I said, why? She said, let me get the broom. I said, the broom, this is heaven. She said, oh, but all that gold dust. Sweep you off real good before you come in here. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> now... What he does say is this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but my me. In other words, you cannot go to this beautiful paradise unless you come through me. That's basically what he's saying. He did not say, I will show you the way. He says, I am the way. I am the way. Now, Matthew 7, Jesus talks about the straight gate and the narrow way. The two ways. This is a takeoff of Psalm 1. Matthew seven thirteen. enter ye in at the straight gate. Anybody have any idea what the word straight means? Somebody take a guess. What do you think it means? Straight. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got an ice cube in my mouth. Enter ye in at the straight gate. The word straight actually (laughs) 
It really means narrow here too. It's a narrow gate. No. Now a whole lot of people, you know, can't get in the narrow gate. A lot of people have hang-ups. No, no. When I was a kid, people who had cows that got out of the fences all the time, they put yokes on them. Now a yoke uh, that I'm speaking of here is different from where you yoke them like two oxen up or horses up. But they just they'd cut a big fork in a in a, in a tree, and they'd leave one part hanging. It looked like a wishbone, and then they put a leather strap and they put it on the neck and they put a leather strap up there so those things couldn't get through the the fences, and uh, they'd hang up on the wires. Some people have hang-ups. They're yoked by things that prohibit them. You know, <clears throat> there are others. You know. I like to think of the, uh, see, the kingdom of God has, has certain perimeters. And, and they don't move. And if you want to go through, you know, you, you have to somehow fit into that structure. Somebody wrote this country western song entitled, Me and Jesus Have Our Own Thing Going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. But salvation is more than just you and Jesus. It's not just some pact you make with God. Because God is no respecter of persons. And what he put in the scripture is, it's here. You know, you take some of these old longhorn cattle down in Texas. I mean, they may be skinny as a rail. You know, you know the way we determine in Texas whether they were fat enough to eat or not is that you took these cows and you ran them underneath a single strand of barbed wire, and if their backbones did not cut the fence, they were fat enough to eat. That's just a joke. <clears throat> okay? <laughs> Everybody looked at me like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> but some of those cows, honestly, were no wider than this. They, How can they live? And some of them have 50 to 60-inch horn spans. Well, I mean, that cow's got to do some maneuvering to get through the gate. Take some of those big old black angus this wide. They didn't have horns they could get in. And it is amazing sometimes that just some little addendum to your life, you know, it's just all these points out here. You know, some people like porcupines. they got a whole lot of good points, but nobody can get near them. And it's that way with God. You know, they just, they just hold God at bay. And they think, well, just look at me. I'm so important, you know. And uh, they have all these hang-ups. So when he talks about the straight gate, he's, he's not only talking about something that, that is not crooked, but he's talking about something that is slender. Now, <clears throat> it's not that God wants to eliminate people from going in, but it does require repentance. And repentance is unshackling yourself. This is when you tear off all that extra garbage. All this selfish stuff that's that's just sticking out there. Every now and then I, I preach and, 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 you know, you have, to, you have to preach what the Bible says and, 
And I've seen people spin out of the driveway and throw gravel and didn't like it. And, you know, that just happens sometimes. And one lady came up to me and said, you were preaching directly to me. I said, no, I wasn't, but I was not excluding you. Because, you see, repentance diametrically opposes human nature. Now, the reason why it's necessary to bring this in, why do you think these men were called before the Sanhedrin? They're saying, go ahead and do your miracles. That's fine. But don't preach Jesus because Jesus diametrically opposes selfishness, human nature. There's something about the name of Jesus that when it's mentioned, it brings conviction and when it brings conviction, it hurts. Now, if I stood up here and say, I want to tell all of you reprobates out there, you're just nothing but a bunch of liars. That's what you are. I probably wouldn't have a congregation. I can't get by with that. But now God can silently slip in and sit down by you. And while the word of the Lord is being preached, he can knock on your heart's door. And he says, you are a liar. You feel that inwardly. You ever had God to do that? Sure, this is the reason why sometimes people get mad. This is why Jesus said, now when they hate you for my name's sake, it's not you they hate, but it's me. See, that's why he said that. It's not you, it's me. Now, they don't know that it's me they hate. Why? Because the name of Jesus that saves diametrically opposes human nature. See, that's the whole point. And God is not wanting to eliminate anyone from his kingdom because it's not his will that any should perish. So he's not in the business of trying to eliminate people and cast people into hell. He's saying that if you really want joy and you really want peace and you really want a full life, I mean, if you want to live life to the max, you're going to have to find that the key to it is that you have to unshackle yourself from all these things that prohibit you from entering into the straight gate. Once you enter the straight gate, you're going to find out, really, it's not restrictive. It's just God made me, and he made you, and he knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for you. And, you know, sometimes our, our view of the Bible gets so distorted. We think that when we sin, God sits on the throne, and, you know, someone told me not too long ago, said, and I repeatedly am told this. I must have really disappointed the Lord. I said, oh, well, you know, God God just must really be upset at me. And I'm not going to say God doesn't get upset when we sin. But you see, the view was that, that when I sin, God sits up in heaven and says, oh, no. They broke the, my word and made me very unhappy. I'm very sad about this. No, my friend being the Bible, was designed for you. See, God didn't need the Bible for himself. It's the manual of life. It's for you. So when you do wrong, you're the one that suffers. 
See, godless sorrow worketh repentance, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of this world worketh death. It simply means that, that uh, if you suffer, or if you sin, you suffer. Not God. So there's a reason why that God wants us to unshackle ourselves from our sin and from our iniquity. And it won't come any other way other than, than through the name of Jesus Christ. All right? Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. In other words, people with all these long horns, so to speak, and all these yokes and all these detrimental points, it takes a big wide road for them to walk. So the perimeters are wide. They're made wide because you keep picking up excess baggage. And every time you pick up some excess baggage, you grow tired and weary. You remember the service we had in which I had Jason running around carrying these chairs? Jason remembers that. Jason will remember that until he dies. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin that does so easily beset us. He's talking about running a race. That every time you pick up something and you run with it, guess what happens? It slows you down. And not only does it slow you down, it tires you. After a while, you remember we had about four chairs on them. And we were timing him making laps around this church. We had a wild night, didn't we? But everybody got the message. And if you were going to run around this, and, and you knew that your life depended on this, you knew that your life depended on this, what would you lay aside? You carefully select your clothing. You carefully select your shoes. You'd probably condition yourself. You'd watch your diet and everything because men's speed and endurance. and I mean, this is the name of the game. I've got to do this thing right. So when we travel down life's road, sometimes we're just picking up excess baggage all the time, and we're carrying all these heavy, heavy loads and these heavy weights, and we, you know, it's, it, we just keep picking them up and picking them up and picking them up. So the way to hell has to be broad because we carry all these weights. But let me point out something. <clears throat> In verse 14, But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be it. Jesus is that way. He's not just the master that, that walks ahead of you down that way. He is the road. He is the gate and he is the road. In John 10. All right. <clears throat> John 10. <clears throat> in, in John 10, <clears throat> Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door of into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger... 
they will not follow. Now you may say, well, you said Jesus was not walking ahead of us. And here it says, I understand that. Jesus will just walk ahead of us and everything, but in the context in which this is written over, he is the way. And let me show you something about this also. All right? If you, if you will look in verse, uh, and I have the wrong verse down here. I am sorry. Jesus declares himself to be the door. And I don't, I got the wrong verse. I'm sorry. Verse 7. All right. <clears throat> okay. Jesus said to them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All right. And verse 9, he says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. So in the context in which I speak of the straight and the narrow way, well, Jesus does lead us with his spirit. But how does he lead us with his spirit? He goes before, but his spirit, see, abides in our hearts. But Jesus is the actual way. He is the way. The actual way. All right. Now, he says, few there be that find it. Why? See, many are called, but few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Because most people, when they are confronted with the true message of salvation, they in their minds say, well, I think I'll just see if I can find some other way to be saved. You know, there's something egotistical about an individual. You could be on the, the 26th floor of a high rise, and it could be on fire. And in your own mind, you you know, you'd think, well, everybody else is going to be lost, but I'm probably be, be saved. Now, once the fire goes, starts, that's something different. But that's just kind of the way you look at it. In other words, they tell you now, find out where the staircases are. You get on the plane, see, and and, and I've flown many, many times. They, the stewardess is up there, and she's telling you, here are the exits and all this, and who worries about the exits? You know, it's not going to happen to this plane. Planes can crash, and they can crash, and they can crash. But this plane won't crash because I'm on it. You know? I've slept through some of those announcements. I've, I've read through some of them. Truthfully, if they said the plane is going down, I wouldn't have any idea where the doors were. <clears throat> because all other planes may go down, but this plane's not going down. And it's that mentality that Jesus is speaking of when he says, few there be that find it. Because we want some other way. We feel that, no, I don't have to do this quite this way. Me and Jesus have our own thing going, see. Me and Jesus, well, we have it all worked out. The reason why that the apostles preached Christ and they preached Christ every place they went, they preached Jesus. In Acts 8, verse 4 through 6, they preached Jesus. Miracles happened, verse 7 and 8. Acts 8, verse 9 through 17, they were preaching Jesus. Here we find uh, Philip preaching to an Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts eight thirty-five, he preached Jesus. 
I don't know about some of these groups. They want to preach Brigham Young and Joseph Smith and all these. Why do you want to do that? You pay more attention to that than you do Jesus. Well, their contribution to our our purpose and our cause, let me tell you something. They may have made a contribution to your purpose and your cause, but they're not going to save you. It's going to be Jesus that saves you. It's not going to be any Joseph Smith. See? It's not going to be any Joseph Smith. And as far as Jehovah worship was concerned in the Old Testament, and I know that, that God, Jehovah, was able to save, and I don't want any of you to think that I do not believe in God the Father, so to speak. That's not what that's 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 not what I'm saying. I believe that Jehovah visited us. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. The Old Testament plan where the blood of animals were killed and collected was only able to kind of roll all of these sins ahead to the one act upon Calvary's cross. Because the book of Hebrews thoroughly declares that it was the blood of Jesus Christ that not only saved those after the cross, but those before the cross. And this is the reason why that every place they went, they, they just preach Jesus. Now you hear, you hear what they're saying in this? Stand up and tell it if you love my Jesus. Why are all these classrooms talking about Jesus? Because we feel the urgency of preaching Jesus because you cannot be saved any other way. There is just absolutely no other plan. There's no other provision. It was necessary that Jesus Christ come into this world. It was necessary that He suffer upon the cross. It was necessary that blood come from His side. It was necessary that He be placed in the ground and buried so that you and I might be able to have our sins forgiven. But it was also necessary that He come forth from that borrowed tomb after three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so that we may experience newness of life in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Colossians 3.17 tells us, Whatsoever we do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. My wife and Sister Jan Reger one time went down to the hospital to visit a lady that we had baptized in Jesus' name. There were some folks from another church that came in, and they quickly confronted uh, Sister Grant and Sister Reger, and and uh, this lady did, and, and said, well, uh, we don't want them in this room, you know. So they went and got the nurse, and she went and got the nurse, and, and going to put Sister Grant and Sister Rager out. You know what she said? She says, ah, that Jesus' name, I hate that 
business. Well, how can you hate that Jesus' name business? So the nurse came in and said, asked the patient, said, do you want these two ladies to leave? She said, well, no. Well, she looked at the ladies making the accusation and said, well, I'm sorry. Well, you're not paying the bill. I guess I can stay. <laughs> Just that simple. But my whole point is, can you feature someone that goes to a church, a Christian church, that would attack the name of Jesus like that? And let me tell you something now. I believe this with all my heart. Every place that attacks the name of Jesus, baptism in his name all the way to getting your hair cut in the name of Jesus. I mean, they do it in ignorance. The truth of the matter is, they come hard against the name of Jesus because they have picked up excess baggage. And the name of Jesus Christ diametrically opposes human nature. It's the saving name. It's the convicting name. Can be healed through any other name. Can be saved through any other name. I've even been asked by people, are you, are, are you the people of the name? What do you mean the people of the name? The name of Jesus. You know, what's wrong with the name of Jesus? I mean, we're Christians, aren't we? And the name of Christ was what? Jesus. So, I mean, what's wrong with the name of Jesus? I know, because I was in the city when this happened, a world famous evangelist preached in the Astrodome in Houston, Texas. And the Astrodome was owned by non-Christian people. And they said, you can come here, but you cannot mention the name of Jesus. And he agreed to do so. He said, well, I can just get, what if I just say Christ? They said, that's all right. So he talked to my it's kind of meaningless anyway. I mean, that's, that's no, my friend. This was a life or death matter to them. It was a life or death issue to them. We've got to preach Jesus. Why? Because there is none other name. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3, verse 13 through 20, the whole is named after him. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I was going down the freeway one time and I saw a big sign. It said, Jesus' name, Pentecostal Church. <clears throat> I just wondered, so I picked up our directory. It happened to be one of our churches. A lot of our churches not named this, but evidently these people somehow wanted everybody to understand this is a Jesus' name church. Well, that's not the name of our church, but I'll assure you, this is indeed a Jesus-named church. The apostles baptized in his name in Acts, the second chapter. In Acts, the eighth chapter, verse 16. In Acts, the tenth chapter, verse 46. In Acts, the nineteenth chapter, verse 6. They all 
baptized in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. And you can't be saved any other way. And I want to say this once again so that you will never forget it. If you ever reach the place in which you feel that the name of Jesus Christ is just despicable. It's detestable. I can't stand it. It's because you picked up excess baggage along the way. And the truth of the matter is, it's not his church. It's not the people preaching it. It's the God of the name that you oppose. Praise God. I'd like you to stand at this time. Oh, hallelujah. My Jesus, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sister Wittenbach, let's sing the chorus. There's something about that name. There is something about that name. Hallelujah. I say there is something about that name. You see, the name identifies the family or it identifies the blood. Isn't that right? When you take a candidate and you baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ as we did this morning right after 9 o'clock. Uh, <coughs> Baptize Pete and Jennifer. Now, they had to be baptized before service because they have a family situation. They had to leave. They're just walking out now. But that name identifies the blood that yes. takes away the sin. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There's something about that name. Let's sing it. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the friend. give you an invite to come and pour your heart out to God. Why don't you just step right out if you would. Come on right now and give your heart to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you brothers come up here and pray with Chris. He's been praying for the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. 
God is able, God is able, God is able. Oh, hallelujah. Like the fragrance after the rain. Oh, Jesus, 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 let all heaven. Somebody else, come on. Come on right now. That's it. Come on and give your heart to God. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. Oh, hallelujah. Now, several people around the front praying. We extend the invitation some further by giving you additional time to come and give your heart to the Lord. You want to be saved? You want to go to heaven? Today is the day. Come on right now. Come on and give your heart to God. Praise God. Why not today? Why not today? Why put it off? Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Right now, in Jesus' name, praise God. Come on, right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you brothers come and pray with Blake and Ernest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you come up here and pray with Brother Andrew and Brother Chris.